Welcome to episode 250 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week we are celebrating the power of military women's stories with this release of a special episode, episode 250. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. I was able to have five of my amazing past podcast guests Join me for a fun conversation where we looked back at how we connected and what they've done since then, and then had a great conversation about the importance of sharing the stories of women, resources out there working to shine a light on what women veterans are doing, and ways that we can help more women join the military, and of course we ended with advice for the next generation of military women. So I'm not even going to tell you who's on the podcast yet. You'll have to listen and hear the intros. We dive into who's on the podcast and where you can find their episodes. So with that, I'm going to remind you that you can check out Women of the Military podcast on Wreaths Across America Radio, Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern and Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. And you can listen on iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, or Odyssey. Now let's get started with this week's episode. This is episode 250, and I'm so excited to not only celebrate 250 episodes of Women of the Military podcast, which is crazy to think, but also to bring back some guests. I had a lot of fun. I reached out to a handful of women who had been on the podcast that I'm connected with, and what I didn't realize when I started the podcast was I thought I was just going to be sharing stories, but I didn't realize that. I would have friends and connections who are women veterans and how much that would change my life and make me so happy. And so I really love getting to not only interview women, but also when they go from guests to, you know, a connection that I continue to be connected with either on LinkedIn and then many women have also become friends. And so that's been really cool. And so I brought back some past podcast guests, and I'm going to introduce them, tell you where you can hear their military story, and then after that, we'll dive in with some fun questions. So I'm going to start with Trish, because she and I probably go back the farthest, because she was actually in my book, Women of the Military, which is kind of funny, because she's not in on the podcast till episode 167. And that's when we finally got to do the audio version of the interview. But she is in the book, Women of the Military, and um, has been cheering me on and supporting me behind the scenes. She was a sponsor for the Girl's Guide to the Military series. And she also has interviewed me twice on the podcast for episode 247, which was just recently talking about VA healthcare and disability, and then episode 166, which is about the future of the Women of the Military podcast. So Trish, welcome and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you. And um, it's this is really neat because this is my fourth time on your podcast, which and I, I love that I've gotten a chance to actually be able to flip and interview you versus you just you interviewing me. So that was a really neat thing. So uh, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I am a commercial photographer here in the Washington, D.C. area. And since the first episode that I was on, um, I've expanded outside of the D.C. area um, into towards the Richmond area and then the Hampton Roads area. A lot of that has to do with my affiliation as a women veteran um, in Virginia. There's a lot of strong support for Virginia women veterans here. Yay. I've also done a lot of, um, quite a few covers for uh, the Reserve and National Guard magazine, for Military Families magazine, and I even had a one cover on Military Spouse magazine. So staying strong with our community. But what's interesting is also being able to expand, not just for veterans, but also for women organizations have started bringing me on to help highlight their events for um, communicating with girls and encouraging women to enter fields that are traditionally dominated by men. So that has been something that has been really neat and unexpected since coming on the podcast. I love hearing that. I love hearing how that all connects. And then my next person I'm going to highlight is Tabitha. 
Bartley, and she was on the podcast. I met her via LinkedIn. I guess I didn't really meet her. <laughs> I started stalking her on LinkedIn because she was doing all this amazing stuff, and she was running for office in Indiana, and I just thought it was so fascinating to watch her campaign and the different things she was doing in politics, and I think women veterans in politics is amazing. So even though you didn't win, it was really fun to watch that whole process, and you were on the podcast for episode 95, where we talked a little bit about your campaign, but also about your story in the military. And you, Trish and I were all on a panel at the Joint Women Leadership Symposium. And so I have met you in person and that's been really cool. So can you tell us a little bit about where you are today? Because you're not in Indiana anymore. Yeah, I uh, actually moved to the Washington, D.C. area. I now work for the Department of Agriculture for AMS, which is Agriculture Marketing Service, doing public affairs, which is what I did in the Marine Corps. Uh, and yes, I did run for office. It was an experience. I will probably never run for office again. Uh, but we we were able to do a lot with that campaign, which was awesome. Um, and then I have since continued that uh, advocacy work and trying to make change happen, but more on now the uh, actual not, you know, running for office side, but behind the scenes. Um, and I'm now a board of director for Minority Veterans of America. And then through USDA AMS, I do a lot of veteran outreach, um, how to get hired federally, as well as the Women Veterans Coordinator for the Interagency Veterans Council. And you have a podcast. Oh, yes. And I started a podcast since then telling the story of Marines called The Oath We Took Podcast. It's an important thing to highlight as well. So Thank you for what you're doing for the military community and highlighting the stories of Marine veterans. They're, they're amazing people. So my next person I'm going to highlight is Mary Eater. She was on the podcast as she was launching her book, The Girls Who Stepped Out of Line. I was telling the ladies before how much I love that book. And since then, not only has she written another book, she's published another book. So her episode was episode 70, and so can you tell us a little bit about what's happened since we did our last interview? Everything has happened since the, we did our last interview. I have found that the stories about women in World War II have resonated so much with so many different types of people and in different audiences. And where, wherever I go and I get to talk about them, because they're my friends now, I know them. Um, I know them as 17, 18, and willing to take risks and big chances. But everywhere I go, I find people come up to me and want to show me pictures of their dad, their mom, their grandparents, what they did in the war, and how can I help them do genealogy and find more. And, and I have found that to be absolutely incredible. And the book continues to garner new audiences. And the big thing since then is the National Trust for Historic Preservation, through its affiliate, Historic Hotels of America, has named me Historian of the Year for 2023. Who knew? So they will present this in, in two weeks in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm still blown away. Wow, that's so amazing. And you didn't even talk about your second book, and we're still like, so, I mean, our jaws are on the floor. That's so amazing. And it's not surprising because you do such a good job of telling the stories of women. I remember when I was reading your book, I had written an article about one of the people that you had written about, and I'm reading the story and finding all this additional information that I hadn't found online. And it was just so cool to like hear more of her story and I'm blanking on her name, but it was just, it's just so good. And I love how you like tell their story. So yeah, highly recommend it. You want me to tell you about book two? Quickly, quickly. One of my friends said, well, your first book was good and all that, but you really need to write about my husband's grandmother, who was a cop in New York City starting in 1915. And I said, what? And so she shared with me some of the newspaper articles and photos, and I was hooked. And it really is an incredible story of this woman who joined the police department, hoping to make a difference in the lives of girls and women who were affected by crime. And she stayed and she saw every major event of the 20th century up through the end of World War II. Her, her service was incredible and some of her colleagues were just as wild as she was. So they have some great stories. Yeah, that sounds like another, yeah, it's on my list. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but. I'm really, I really can't wait to read it. It's another reminder I need to buy. 
buy your book so I can read it. So thank you so much for being here. And then my next guest that I'm going to highlight is Annette Wittenberger. She and I met a long time ago as well. And she was on episode 11 of the podcast when I was first starting. And we've known each other so long. I'm like, I don't even remember how we got connected. (laughs) But she's been doing some really amazing things with singing and writing songs. And so it's been really fun to follow her on Facebook and LinkedIn and just see her transformation of what she has been doing. And so uh, yeah, you went from blogger to podcaster and now musician and um, songwriter. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing today. Thank you, Amanda. Um, I'm laughing because I don't, I, I'm doing so many things. So I, I think I have now realized I'm just a, I'm a creator. I, I create different spaces for the center around mental health, which was one of what, one of the reasons why I went on that crazy adventure of going to music school. And so I, I am a songwriter, producer. Um, I don't sing. Let me just, <laughs> I wasn't the singer. My daughter was the vocalist. <laughs> but um, I wanted to use a different uh, platform to talk about mental health. And that was uh, through songwriting. So Healing Through Music is my newest journey. Um, but that doesn't take away the, the other 500 things that I do because I'm so passionate about mental health and suicide prevention. And so um you know, I just want to leave a legacy for my kids. They're 20 and 23. I'm about to be a grandma. So it's, it's been a whirlwind, but um, I'm here for it, you know? And, and I think one of the things I just want to say to you guys is uh, Amanda, you've been such an inspiration on the, some of the dark days. I'm just like, you know what? Amanda's killing it. She is continuing to tell these stories. And so, um, yeah, just you're amazing. And I'm just proud to be in your space. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. I got chills and I'm like on the edge of tears. <laughs> you And our podcast episode was about mental health and it really dove into your mental health experience and the challenges that you're facing. And so I think it's really cool to hear how that through line, it's like may seem, and sometimes people are like, why are you doing all these things? But then you find out that there is a through line and everything's coming together. And so, so my last Guest for today's special episode is Jennifer Bolbrichek. I like I practiced it and now my brain isn't working. But she and I met when we were both finalists for the Melissa A. Washington Award in 2020. And then we got to meet in 2021 in person at the conference. And she was the winner, which was really exciting. And it's been really cool to see how you've connected with the Women Veteran Alliance and the work that they're doing. And we were supposed to see each other last this month I guess it's still September uh, and something came up and you weren't able to attend the conference but I really am so grateful that we got to meet and the work that you're doing is very different than being a creative but it's still very important and your episode was episode 171 so can you tell us a little bit about the work that you do and what you're doing today sure Uh, so Jennifer Volbrecht I'm a Marine Corps veteran and um, yes I was the winner of the 2020 Uh, Melissa Washington Small Business Award. It was a grant for my small business. And so I I own a business called J. Volbrick Consulting, and we do government contracting uh, for large construction projects across the Department of Energy. I absolutely love what I do, and I love the projects. Uh, But most importantly, uh, what's really special to me is with the, uh, the winning of that award, the Melissa Washington Award, I was able to plug into the SkillBridge program and uh, use that platform of my business to uh, give back to my own veteran community by hiring uh, transitioning veterans. And so that's been really special. I've been able to um, put at least six and I have two more um, new uh, SkillBridge residents uh, that are coming to my company now, Uh, been able to put them through the program and make sure that they're gainfully employed Um, in a career that they love uh, after getting out of the military. So that's been really special. And I also got to go on after winning the award and become the selection board chair for the Melissa Washington Small Business Award. And so now uh, for the second year in a row, I've led a committee where we collect the applications of women veteran entrepreneurs. I get to read about all of their hopes and dreams and goals and and the impacts that all their special businesses are going to be um, achieving. And so that's been extremely rewarding. And I'm really glad that I met Amanda along the way, because it's really cool to connect with other women veterans. 
Yeah, and I forgot to mention you are also a sponsor for the Girls Guide to the Military series, which was really so it was so impactful to have women veterans giving back to the podcast and supporting it. And I love hearing your story. I've heard the story of how you took the grant and that you've helped, you know, veterans. But I, I just learned the skill bridge piece. I didn't know that piece before. But I love how, you know, you got money from the grant and then you were able to take it and not only use it for your business, but use it to help veterans. And then, so that's like I love when women are empowered and then they're able to take that and then, you know, spread it. And so I really love hearing that story. So now that everybody knows a little bit about you and they have five to seven more podcast episodes to listen to, if they haven't checked out your story, let's dive into what this episode's really about, which is why do you think it's important to share the stories of women? And you can just unmute yourself and fight over who goes first. <laughs> I think it's so important, especially when we're looking at like recruiting and retention right now, there are a lot of conversations, um, you know, like me specifically, I had multiple organ prolapses, which was injuries from childbirth and not knowing how to take care of my body after that and having to maintain Marine Corps standards. And it was like a taboo conversation to have. And so I feel like the more we share our stories, the good and the bad one, the more leadership who is still in can start to make change happen. Um, and the pressure isn't so much on those who are currently serving, right? I think as veterans, we can have conversations that active duty service members can't have. But we can also be honest with those females, like you said, those girls who are looking to potentially join and in the reality of what it is. And although there may be all of these negative things, I mean, I experienced a lot of negative in my transition out of the Marine Corps. I said it was the most physically and mentally challenging time of my life. I wasn't sure I was going to survive it. However, I loved my time in the Marine Corps. And I think the military is a great option for women. Uh, but you have to first have that conversation and have a transparent conversation, I think. Yeah, I love that. I think it's important, too, to look at our historical stories and what women did in the past, because it isn't taught. And that's one of the things that surprised me the most as I began to find the stories of what women did in the OSS, what they did as spies, what they did fighting in the resistance, what they did as nurses, and in many other capacities during World War II and even earlier, because it isn't taught, I didn't know. And I'm like, why don't I know this? Because look at what they did, these are role models. And we have so many things now we say, oh, this is a first. Well, they did a lot of things first that we don't remember. So I think it's important to recall what they did and honor them for what their service was and how they paved the way for us. So we stand on their shoulders. I'm reading a book right now called Wings of Gold, and it focuses on the stories of the first six female Navy pilots and what they went through, and they're currently in the book, they're advocating uh, to get combat exclusion lifted. And one of the quotes was, we're not doing this for us, we're doing it for the women who are following us. And that's something that's kind of resonated through the theme of like women stand up for women, not because they're standing up for themselves, but they're really trying to push the next generation forward. And I've learned so much history from the podcast, and I feel like I'm an expert. And then I hear news stories, and I'm like, there's more! There's so much about women that we don't know. Jennifer? Uh, yeah, I was going to add to that. So part of telling the story is, you know, as a self-healing journey and that self-realization that I have a good story to tell or, or that my story is important and that I'm seen. And then the other part of it is, is putting that, imparting that into our, my children where they grow up in a world where they've always heard these stories. And it's not abnormal to hear stories of amazing women making history and um, maybe they were, you know, back in World War II, but maybe they're also in recent times. And maybe it's just not rare to hear about these amazing stories. And so that's why I think this conversation is so important. Yeah, I had a few guests who told me, I, I don't think my story was good enough. You don't have to air it on the podcast. And I'm like, no, it's it is good. Or they're like second guessing, should they be on the podcast? I'm like, everyone has a story to tell. Everyone's story matters. Every story is valuable. And one thing that I've started doing is going to my kids' schools on Veterans Day. And last year I went to my first grader and fourth graders class. But the first graders it was an even number of girls and boys who wanted to join the military when the teacher asked at the end, like, who wants? And it was just really cool to see that 
I was able to impact their lives. And at the end of the year, they did a project where they thanked it was supposed to be for firefighters and police officers. And, and they thanked me for my service because it had made such an impact on first graders. You think like it's not that big a deal, but it really plays a key role in changing the narrative and changing the story. Go ahead, Trish. And for me, you know, I come from the perspective now of having a daughter that is starting to get the materials for recruitment, right? From the service academies and then starting to get those, um, have you thought of joining the military? Things that are arriving in the mail. And so what's interesting is when we share our stories and is and from a very personal perspective is the myth versus the reality. Because I find when you start actually, it's interesting when your children have grown up in a military family, you would think that they would have seen firsthand the things that actually do happen that aren't necessarily in the commercial. But what you what we what I've been finding is that, you know, especially when they see things on YouTube, they see now a series that are streaming that may portray women in the military. It was definitely there's a lot of myth that makes it sensationalizes the experience to both extremes, both the good and the bad. And it it almost diminishes the real stories, the real accomplishments that many of us have made. Because we've done very significant things during our careers. We have sister veterans that have done incredible things, but those aren't the things that are highlighted. And I, I can already think of, uh, you know, Special Ops Lioness is one of the uh, series. I love that show. But that being said, I'm like, it doesn't really even tell the story of what the actual women who were in that unit, what they actually did, who have incredible stories on their own. And so I, I love this podcast and I've told my, um, my daughter has been listening to past episodes and we've been sharing it with her friends because now they're old enough. Once you're in high school and you're starting to get recruited, you're now old enough to listen to our stories and really and hear all the right range of experiences, not just across services, but also across the time we had in service the um, careers that we had, and then what our perspective and experience was. Yeah, that's so true. And I'm a very big advocate on the next generation with my book, A Girl's Guide to Military Service, and the series that Jennifer and Trish sponsored, which is all about joining the military. And so I love all your guys' different perspectives of why it's so important, because they're all important reasons. And it's and they also have a theme, but I'm, I'm working on coming with that all together. So, Annette, we're going to give you the final chance to talk. I, gosh, I, you know, I never realized how important it was until um, until I just started hearing you talk about it. Since I, I was dual military for so long, I forgot that, you know, I had a, a space for myself. So I was just so used to it that I never realized that my story mattered. And, and then now that my daughter is, she's not in the military, but she does work for all male prison. And she started at the age of 18. So I was thinking about you, Marie, when you were telling the story about that police officer, my daughter and I were actually discussing her writing a book after she goes through all the protocol and the legal, the legal aspects of it on sharing her side of working there from the age of 18 until now 23. People don't see behind the scenes of what they go through. And um, I think it's so important to to do that now so it's just you know it just encompasses everything that you guys have already mentioned and i want her to i mean when she read my book she didn't realize all the things that i went through either so now that she's old enough to realize that and use her voice she's trying to figure out how do i do this how do i tell this part of the story because it's insane the largest male president in texas and that's where she's at at 18 I, anyway that's a whole other story but anyway i i think it yeah absolutely it, it's so important to hear our side and not just, you know, we, we do stuff too. We do important shit too. So let's, let's hear it. That really reminded me of when I started the podcast, I had really dove into the side of being a military spouse and I kind of had forgotten about the veteran piece. And now I am still a military spouse, but being a veteran is really important to me. And I've been advocate of sharing my story, but I was in the same thing. I was like, well, I'm a spouse. I'm supposed to do spouse things. And it was only through the encouragement of other military spouses who pushed me to tell stories of women veterans and to lean into the fact that I was different than them because I was a, a spouse and a veteran. And that's been really encouraging to see like how they supported me in that change and then how much has changed since. 
thank you so much for your answers. It's been, I love this. I love this. So the next question we're going to go with is what other resources are out there that are working to shine the light on what women veterans are doing? And I know we kind of talked about like books people have written. And so you can, you can talk about your book again. Um, you can highlight stuff that you're doing. I want to hear any resources and see what you, you've heard. I have a lot, but I'll let you guys go first. I'll start with um, one that gets underutilized, and that's the your state's veteran administration. A lot of, especially as us as women, don't necessarily go, we'll go to the, the actual VA, but not necessarily go and look at our state agency, because there are many states that actually do have their own programs and are um, strong advocates for women veterans, and they're trying to get the word out. So I would recommend doing that first. Yeah, and Virginia has a really, really strong program. They do a conference every year. I think Florida and Texas have really strong programs as well. They also do conferences, and I think Ohio too. I guess I need to get someone in California. All right, go ahead, Mary. Well, just a little bit from the history perspective. Now, I'm seeing more articles now about what women did in the past, and I saw one recently that was about war correspondence during World War II, and it only mentioned one woman. And that was in passing. And it said, oh, Martha Gellhorn was famous because she was married to Ernest Hemingway. Well, no. She was called the greatest war correspondent that there was at the time. And so I wrote back to the magazine and asked for a correction. And then I wrote my own article. There were over 350 women war correspondents from every outlet in the United States. So it's more stories are coming, but it's necessary to make sure they're accurate so that they portray women correctly. And if you all are looking, the story of the 6888, the all Women's Army Corps, all African-American unit that deployed overseas, uh, Tyler Perry has made a movie about this and it will be on Netflix by November. So I'm waiting for this. Yeah, I'm really excited about that movie. I got I got contacted by someone at Netflix. And so I wrote, wrote an article for We Are the Mighty about it. And it was so fun to see sneak peeks of the, you know, the costuming. It looked like the pictures, but, you know, of, of present day with color. It was like, yeah, it was, it looks so amazing. And I'm really excited about that. And it's another story that not enough people know. And I love that you talked about like seeing something in an article and reaching out to the editor and correcting it and then being like, and by the way, there's all this other information too, because I think that is really important that we highlight that no, so-and-so is not just someone's wife. They are also, you know, they have their own career and they've done these amazing things and we need to share those stories. Absolutely. And there's going to be a Broadway musical about the 6888 as well. So I've seen one of the previews of one of the songs from it. Now, I kind of imagine it as being people in uniform dancing in a circle and singing and flinging envelopes, but I'm sure it's going to be absolutely incredible. And Blair Underwood is producing it. So I'm looking forward to that too. That's awesome. I'll have to look out for that. I hadn't heard about that. That's great. All right, Jennifer, you're up. Yeah, this is really cool. I'm I'm writing down all these references of all these books I need to read now and all these shows I need to watch. Uh, so in my world of uh, business ownership, there's some organizations that um, that exist that are you know, being a woman veteran, I think is, you know, rare enough. And yes, there are, um, there's lots of uh, affinity groups for veterans in general, and then women veterans in general. And if you just go right down into your niche of women veteran business owners, <laughs> then there's uh, some even more uh, really cool resources. So of course, there's the VYs with uh, Syracuse University, and it's um, veteran women igniting the spirit of entrepreneurship is what it stands for. And they have a couple of events um, every year for education. But one that I uh, discovered, I think in 2021, when I, um, when I attended the Women Veterans Unconference, I learned about the Women Veterans Business Coalition, uh, which is a really cool group. It's very small because it's, you know, women veteran business owners who are uh, trying to influence policy in Washington, D.C., uh, policy related to uh, providing business opportunities specifically for women veterans. And so that's, uh, you know, just a resource that I found really useful. Um, not only do I get to network with other women in my field, um, but also get to see how our 
uh, issues are, and our voices are raised to the level of influencing policy. Yeah, that's really cool. I When I lived on the East Coast, I got more involved in politics. It's easier to like step away when you're on the West Coast, but it's a great reminder that you can be involved in politics and you don't have to run for office and that you and it doesn't matter where you are in the country or even probably in the world you, with everything being virtual, there's ways to get involved. So that's a great resource. Thank you. Do you have anything, Tabitha or Annette? Yeah, so um, Minority Veterans of America is a great resource. Uh, They do a lot of advocacy work. They do in-person events. Um, They do all sorts of stuff, even a fellowship. Uh, And then if you are a federally employed woman veteran, the Interagency Veterans Council now has a woman veterans coordinator, um, and I am one of the three who is helping with that. So in the next year, there will be a lot of events for all federally employed women veterans on from mentorship to how to get a promotion to even just getting hired in general. Uh, so those are some some resources there. And then on the podcast, obviously, I don't just have female veterans, but it is a, a big point for me to really focus on the stories of those veterans who normally don't get told, which does include female veterans. And then I am always for conversations on women's health and especially like postpartum care and that type of stuff, which I think is very important to to have conversations about. It's a great resource. And the Center for Women Veterans through the VA is a really important resource there at all the conferences. And they have a, I mean, they have the Trailblazer program that highlights women veterans. And then also they just do so much for the community and they're working to get you know, the VA is doing a lot to try and connect women. And so that's another great resource. And Annette, you're the last one. I can't, I I don't think I could top that off. I I focus on mental health. I can give you all those resources, but all these other ones are, I've heard of some and I haven't heard of some. So I think it's, it's incredible that there's so many out there. We just need to keep sharing it. So what program did you use to get your the music stuff that you do? Was that through a veteran organization or? Oh yes, that's the VRAP. Don't ask me what it stands for. Veterans Rapid Assistance Program, something like that. But VRAP. That's how I got it. You apply for it, then they give you like eighty pages worth of schools that are part of that program. You choose the school, you apply. If you get in, then great. But yeah, so VRAP. Yeah, because there's more education benefits than the GI Bill. I think sometimes people think, oh, I only have the GI Bill. But if you're looking for tech related, you can use Vet Tech, which is, as long as you have one month of your GI Bill left on eligibility, you can use the Vet Tech program to pay for like, I, I work for Sabio doing a coding boot camp, Breaking Into Tech. That's our podcast that we do. And a number of my guests have done vet tech where they use the vet tech benefits because they still have time from their GI Bill benefits and they're able to get the whole program paid for and get a stipend, you know, for living expenses. And it's just a great opportunity. So there's another one, VRAP. So there's all these, if you're looking to get something like education wise, and maybe it's like something technical or, you know, it's not a four-year university, look at ways that you can use your GI Bill or there's all these other programs that are available that people just don't know about. So I think that's a great one. All these resources, there's so many. So what ways do you think can work to help more women join the military? It's something I'm really passionate about. For me, I think, you know, I my last duty station in the Marine Corps was on the recruiting side of the house and a big focus back then was actually females. We had created the first of its kind event, which was um, a volleyball leaders like academy type thing where they were taught volleyball skills and then the Marines taught them leadership skills. And one of the biggest differences that I have seen in that time between, you know, men and women joining was really having that kneecap to kneecap conversation that painted the whole picture, the good and the bad. It wasn't just like one thing. Uh, most often females needed a lot, lot longer of a conversation and a, what can I do with this after the military, right? Like what's the impact past this? And then there's so many preconceived notions of what it means to, to serve and especially as a woman. And so I think it's, 
if you have the mental capacity and you are able to share your story and talk about your experiences, I, I feel like it's kind of like our duty to at least the ones of us who can, right? I'm not saying somebody who is going through something that they should just to do it by any means. But if you have that capacity, I do think that it's kind of up to us to to tell our stories, to challenge those perceptions. Um, my gender didn't matter when I was in the Marine Corps. That's why it was so traumatizing when I got out, because all of a sudden it mattered so much to all of these people who had never served a day in their life. And it wasn't like that for me in the Marine Corps. So I think it's just us being able to to tell our stories and to have those conversations and for young women to feel like they can ask questions. That's good. That's really good. Share your story. Go ahead, Mary. You know, what I would love to see is if you could have a series of interviews with young women who are just finishing, say, their first summer at the Naval Academy or West Point and talk about what they went through so that you talk to that generation that is only one or two steps removed from the next ones coming up and do the same perhaps with a basic training group or those just going into cyber school or flying drones or the cool stuff that everybody wants to do. I, oh, I want to be on the team that plays video games. You know, talk to the people who are 18 to 22. And I'm sure recruiting commands would say, yeah, sure, come help us. You know, they'd give you four or five people to talk to. And I think that would be a great thing. Yeah, I did partner with West Point a few years ago and do an episode with two cadets who are about to graduate. And it's one of the most popular episodes. And I think it's because that, you know, they're so young and it really resonates. And then they also were, they were like amazing. And they, they ended up both being Rhodes Scholars. And I was like, oh, that's why you guys are so amazing. But they like knocked my socks off with their interview. But I need to go back to the academies and and start pushing that because that that's a great idea. Go ahead, Trish. I think one of the things that's really big that is so easy for us to do is to just be vocal about the fact that we are women veterans. That should almost be part of our every, you know, our elevator speech when you're first introducing yourself, because you'll see that for many our male counterparts, that's a very common thing. They wear the pin. So right now I have my Virginia Women Veteran pin on. So they'll wear the pins. They'll show where their service was. And we are not good about doing the same thing. So just being that visible and invisible, even if it's not a women veteran event, this is just a regular professional event. It could be in your civilian community. It could be your kid's school. I just find that being visible, the questions will follow that now they see, oh, you're really proud of what you did. You're proud of your service and, and you look normal. Like you, you look like, you know, and, and it's so funny because it's, it, this is from a very teen perspective, you know, oh, Mother Smith is coming. Oh, wow. She, you know, she served the, she served in the, uh, in the Air Force and, oh, wow, she went on and she's doing another career, right? But it's, it just shows them another path in a way that they can ask you a question and that there's no silly question to ask you. Realize like there's there is none. You don't know what you don't know unless you ask the question. Trish, I love that. Just being visible. That's that is so great. When um, I know when I reflect on my childhood, it's probably what I don't know, the majority of of Americans. Um, I didn't hear about the military or know anything about the military until 9-11 happened. And I was in high school. Um, I knew that I had family members who had served, but that wasn't something they talked about. I didn't realize there were different branches of the military. And so when I started to do my research, you know, I read Marine Sniper and I was like hooked, like, oh, I, that's me. That That's me all the way. But I didn't know that until, um, until high school and after 9-11. And so I would say, you know, having these conversations, telling our stories and making sure that the children are, you know, our generations, they understand that, you know, that is an option and, it's a great option should they choose to pursue it. And to, so just knowing that I think at a young age is really important. I wanted to agree with what Trish said, because I all of, I have three brothers, my middle brother, he, his mom um, would always tell me, talk to him about the military. She didn't want him to join, but we would have conversations. He ended up joining the air, uh, the army. He's a JAG lawyer. 
but I love that she came to me to try to talk to him, whether it was to talk him out of it or just talk to him about it. Um, he ended up joining anyway. So the fact that, you know, he would uh, come to me and just ask questions about it. I thought that was awesome. But even for, for other, for females, any chance I get or anybody that knows me and has a kid would say, talk to Annette about it. And so I would tell them um, the good, bad, and the ugly because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's hard, but as long as you remember to use your voice, then you'll make it. I, I think it's funny how a lot of people say, I don't know how you did it. I don't know how I did it either, but I did it. <laughs> and then I ended up retiring. Now it has to do with God and, and just everything but um also with what jennifer said too we just have to continue to or i had no idea about the army either when i joined um all all i knew is army i didn't know about any other branches i had a friend from high school join the army i was like that is so cool and then i would ask her all the questions she went through boot camp and she went enlisted but i was 17 and i got scared so i i didn't join till i was 21 but it's amazing what we don't know. And so we have to surround ourselves and do more research. But I was so naive. I was like, army, army, and I'm just going to try it out. So I, I, we just, I think as a collective and everybody, I always say just sh you need to share your story. You need to tell them about it because if they, if this is going to be for the rest of their life or not, then this is how it's going to be. My son is considering the army and I was like, oh. but I'm telling him about it. His dad's telling him about it. That way he knows officer enlisted because my husband was prior service so he knows both aspects i just so again it's important to just tell the story no matter how hard it is to, to listen to it how hard it is to tell it make sure they know that they have options there's so much more now than there was when we joined you know it's like what it's like you could fly drones in the air force you could do this he's like so yeah i, I could talk about this all day <laughs> yeah and i think Part of it too is there's some battles that we need to fight to clear the path for them. There's some things, you know, when we're talking reproductive rights and those type of things that we know, like postpartum care, that this generation is paying, that generation is paying attention to and has a huge effect on the decisions they make. And so I think it's our obligation, again, because I think it's easier to fight some of those battles once we're out to be advocating for them so that they know that like, it's, it's just a little, I don't know, as female veterans, it's a little different that like we're mentoring even those who are still in, right? Like the, the connection, um, I mean, as a Marine, it's hard to say this, but obviously Marine Corps matters, but as a female veteran, the service doesn't matter as much because I connect with every female veteran. And so I think that's important for us too. I just wanted to add something about being visible and yes, the pins. So I wear the pins now too. I am never going to wear a ball hat. I look ridiculous in them. But, and that's usually how you spot someone who's a veteran. They have what ship they were on or what unit they were with and all the pins on it. I'm not going to do that, but I will have all the pins. And a couple of years ago, I went to a, a vet, National Veterans Center formal event. So all the boys have their miniature medals on their tuxedos. I have on a thin strapped evening dress and there's no way I'm going to pin that to myself. So I went to Marla White and said, will you make me miniature medals with a gigantic magnet on the back. And they said, oh, we don't do that. And so I huffed at them. And a week later, they made me one. So I will wear that now with an evening dress to say, yes, I am one of you. See, I just, I love that because it wasn't until a couple years ago that I was reminded, Annette, you need to start saying that. Start saying that you were this. Start saying that because I never did. I don't know why. I'm not ashamed of what I did. I'm not ashamed of being a major, but I don't know why I wasn't. I, I was, I just never would say that I was retired or whatever. And she was like, you need to, you proudly serve. And so I just thank you for this reminder because it, it was really hard. I don't, I don't know why, but it was. I think it's hard as a military spouse when you're supporting the person who's still serving that, and you know, you get kind of put in this box and on the back burner of what, military life because everything's focused on your spouse and like what's going on like yeah my my life is still like that and my husband's promoting to lieutenant colonel which we're very excited about but all the responsibilities that are going into like this week of trying to get ready for the ceremony and I'm like I'm not even getting promoted why, why am I doing so much why am I so involved in this but it is really important to like stand up and I'm actually doing the invocation at his ceremony and he was like I don't know who to ask and I was like I'll do it and I was just gonna do it but I'm gonna tell people I'm a veteran and 
I, this, this service is really important to me, his ceremony. And I'm on stage because, you know, I'm part of this military community. And so just another reminder that, you know, even someone who talks about <laughs> veterans all the time, I still forget about the ways that I can use my voice in the different places that I'm in. So that's really good. So we could talk about transition, but if you know me well, you know I really like the advice question. And so I'm going to skip the transition question and we're going to dive into, you know, you've all given advice, but it's been a while. I, the most recent one was Jennifer and that was over a year ago. So and we just talked about, you know, joining the military. So if there's young women who are listening, what advice would you give them specifically? We talked a little bit about like what veterans need to do and how we need to advocate for change. But what would you give to them specifically as advice of joining the military? And Jennifer, you can go first because I know you might have to drop off. Sure. Thank you. Um, I would say uh, when you're doing your research uh, to read, read the stories that are out there now of women veterans who have served, there's of course the, the Women Veterans Memorial up in Washington, D.C., and you can read the stories of literally thousands of women veterans. Uh, so if, you know, if it's something that you're thinking about doing, uh, do your research, read the stories, and maybe even reach out to a women veteran because, uh, you know, chances are they'll be happy to share their stories with you. Yeah, and I'm going to say if you're a woman veteran and you're listening and you haven't registered with the memorial, you need to register and share your story at the Women Veteran Unconference. Phyllis, who's the president of the Women's Memorial, she found the picture of Melissa Washington when she registered and she's like a brand new in the Navy and she was so young and it was hilarious to see that picture but also so fun because her story was in there and phyllis was able to grab that photo and talk about like what melissa had written way back then and then now they've updated it so you can easily update your information so make sure that you're registered with the memorial it's so important that we capture our stories and that's a great you know national database that has all our stories mary you can go next I would say that you need to find two types of people to talk to. You need to have somebody who will give you the long view, someone who is a veteran who can say, here's what it means to have a whole career or to stay four years or 10 or 12. And here's what you get from that. Here's what it means. And then you need to find someone who's one to two years ahead of you who say, this is what it's like right now. So you get mentors for the strategic long view and for the immediate tactical view. And then somebody to tell you, you need to start running around the block and doing sit-ups. I love that the two different sides of like, you need someone who's older and wiser and has a little bit of wisdom. And then you also need someone because the military is changing rapidly. It's so different than when I got in. It's been 10 years since I've got out. And so, I mean, 10 years is a long time, but it's also not a long time. But there's been so many changes. I mean, it was six weeks of maternity leave and now it's 12 and not just for women but also for men to get or or their partners and so that's a huge change for the military and that's just one of the many things that's changed over the years so my experience even though it was only 10 years ago is so different than what people are serving today are experiencing and i think doing that research earlier in life that was one thing that a lot of like the educators who we would take to the marine corps educators workshop that were female specifically would say i wish i had even known that this was a option for me. I had no idea. We actually ended up having a teacher who enlisted in the army as an officer after she went to the Marine Corps Educators Workshop. She was too old to join the Marine Corps. Um, but there's opportunities like the NRTC scholarship, which is a $180,000 scholarship to a school of your choice, but you have to apply as a junior in high school or start the process as a junior. And so it's something that you don't want to wait to start asking questions for. And there are all of these different paths and ways to join the military. And then for me, what job I picked in the military had such a huge impact on, I guess, the decision I wanted to make. I knew I wanted to be a Marine, but like, I also wanted to wait for the right job because I was looking at past the Marine Corps. What can I take from the Marine Corps and then do afterwards, which I think, again, is something that like is kind of a common trend for females is they're very much looking further than just those four years, right? It, it's what is this going to impact? And so since we think that way, or we tend to start looking earlier so you can find the best path 
for you and be flexible on things. And uh, I'll just throw my name out there. If you're interested, reach out to me. I will answer any questions that I can. Um, And I'm more than happy to have those conversations because I think sometimes it's just having that natural back and forth conversation too. And I have a mentorship program that I've created that Tabitha is one of the mentors on my list. And she's helped a number of people who've reached out to her and talked to her about joining the military. So she's a great resource. And there's, I think there's about 30 women veterans on that list. So if you're a woman veteran and you want to sign up, I can put the link in the comments so that you can sign up. And if you're looking to join the military, then I also, you can also sign up. I, I have one form and both sides can sign up. So it's easy peasy. And um, going along with what Tabitha had mentioned, you know, knowing what you're going to get out of it, what do you expect to get out of your experience, but also knowing why you want to join? Because that's a that's a very personal thing. And that why is going to hold you through the very difficult, especially at the beginning. There's going to, no matter how much research and homework you do and mentorship you have, your experience is unique to yourself. And there are going to be things that happen to you that you've never expected. So hanging on to that why. And that's the same advice that I give my kids, especially my eldest, who's thinking of joining, is the What's the why? Why do you want to do this? And is it enough to sustain you during those really difficult times? Yeah, because boot camp and other trainings are really challenging and having that why is so important. I wrote about that in my book because I think if you know why you're joining, if you're if you know you're joining because you want to get the GI Bill and you want to get out after four years, well, that's going to impact everything about how you join. But if you're planning to stay in for 20 years and make it a career, that why is going to be different and that's going to direct you. And you can always pivot and get out, stay longer. But if you know in when you're going in what you're looking for, it can help set the foundation. So I think that why is so important. Annette, you're the last one. I, I wish I would have had this years ago because I didn't know my, I was just like, I'm going to try it out. And then I met my husband and then we got married and then I just followed him around. And then I just ended up retiring. I had no plans. So this is all amazing advice. I wish I had it. What I would say for me, once I was in, always remember to use your voice. That's one of the things that I lost while I was in. So I never knew how to advocate for myself specifically because I was in, all, I was in um, heavy, you know, artillery I was field artillery I was in heavy divisions and so I was surrounded by so many men and that I forgot who I was never forget who you are um that piece of paper doesn't define who you are because that OER or you know NCOER that you're going to get that evaluates your performance don't let that define you you are still a person regardless and so throughout your military experience just remember you use your voice you can make it you can do it don't let anybody make you feel that you're not worthy enough to say it. Mary, did you want to add something? Just one thing. And throughout it all, keep your sense of humor. You know, you can laugh at yourself and say, I look great covered in mud. You can laugh at the situations that others may take too seriously. And it helps you keep your perspective and your balance and you get through it. Thank you so much for celebrating 250 episodes with me. Thank you for being guests on the podcast. Thank you for doing this episode. I really am excited. It's turning, it turned out way better than I ever expected. I mean, I thought it was going to be great, but I, I'm still so amazed. You guys are such amazing ladies and thank you so much for being on the show. And so thank you.